Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello out there in Cyberland. This is Dr. Simon, and as always, my show is called The Stories We Live By. And this is really the uh, second part of a show I began last week uh, about the football player Ray Rice, who uh, cold cocked his then. Uh, fiancé, now wife, uh, in an elevator, and uh, the uh, eventually the uh, security camera uh, pictures went viral. And I, I'd done that show last week on a variety of levels, uh, not simply to talk about this particular case as if it were gossip, because so many of these cases are handled in personal ways by the media as if they're interesting gossip, a kind of an entertainment uh, for people uh, who listen and say, isn't that too bad? Uh, I'm better than that. Uh, all kinds of interesting reasons why people follow the gossip. Uh, oftentimes, the gossip really relates to them as human beings in their own lives, and this allows them to to learn something or relate to an issue in their own lives uh, in terms of the story that has now gone viral. But I discovered last week I only had 15 minutes to speak, and so I rushed through my show uh, in a whole variety of topics, and I thought tonight I would redo it. I have an hour of time, and I could discuss a variety of issues um, related to the Ray Rice story, uh, of course, expanding it and building a number of other stories uh, that we live by around it, uh, ultimately with the hope that we can change some of the stories we live by and the way in which women are treated uh, here in this country, uh, much worse in other parts of the world and much of the world, and certainly a study of history uh, reveals that the demonization and the abuse of women uh, has been with us uh, from the beginning of time. Not to say that there haven't been individual women uh, who have been treated differently and um, uh, who have lived different kinds of lives than I believe most women um, uh, have lived. Um, why this is so important to me uh, it's because of a variety of, of uh, reasons. By the way, anybody who'd like to join in the conversation can call in at 646-716-7756. My goodness, I can barely read that. Uh, and I don't think it's just my glasses. I have a doctor's appointment, an eye doctor's appointment next week. And I have a feeling he's going to say, uh, Simon, it's time to remove the cataracts. Um, it'd be interesting to see the world sh in sharp focus again. But then again, maybe I'd see things I don't really want to see. Okay, so uh, the concern uh, is larger than the issue of, of this story of Ray Rice. Uh, and just as a byproduct of this, uh, in the last couple of weeks, a number of stories by football players who have been abusive uh, to women, their wives, girlfriends, uh, in one case, a fellow named Peterson, and I don't follow much football, uh, who uh, in all righteousness 
disciplined his son as he claims he was disciplined by taking a uh, branch off a tree, which is then called a switch, and beating the child with it until blood came forth. And in fact, somewhere along this hour, I will talk about what we call discipline, uh, done for the good of the disciplined, um, and how that works psychologically um, in, 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 within the context of our show. Now, let me begin by recapping this psychological insight that I've had that uh, now sort of preoccupies me. And that is that we have, all of us, all of us, a need to see ourselves as virtuous, as morally pure, as good, uh, as worthy of love, uh, of worthy of uh, standing uh, tall in the eyes of our fellow human beings, of mattering, of uh, being in the world as a force for good uh, than anything else. And that if we don't maintain this vision of ourselves, this critical view of ourselves, uh, and we see ourselves as evil and as bad, uh, then you have all kinds of uh, issues that psychiatrists and psychologists call depression. There's a risk of suicide. There's a risk of homicide. Um, and then suicide attached to the homicide. Uh, one of the horrible stories this week here in Florida was a grandfather who killed his daughter and then killed his grandchildren between 10 years of age and 10 months. Uh, and by the time the police were called and came, he had killed himself. All done in the name of virtue. And that was the point they made last week, um, to put everything into a larger context, which is, Whatever we do, we do because we see it as virtuous. We see it as morally correct. And so uh, when uh, ISIS, this political group uh, of, of what we now call barbarians in Iraq, cuts off the head of a reporter, uh, it's done with virtue. And when Ray Rice punched his wife, he saw it as something that was virtuous. Whatever we do is cast as virtue. And if we can't cast it as virtue, then we're trapped in all kinds of guilt, all kinds of shame, and have all kinds of very serious, painful uh, uh, issues to live with. Uh, what we call post-traumatic stress disorder, when we send soldiers in and we tell them in their training that they are killing machines, perfect killing machines, and they discover that uh, the people being killed are their buddies and people who are just as human as they, and that this was not an act of virtue, but an act that's shameful and destructive, uh, then they have all kinds of really serious issues to deal with. And we deal with that by drugging them and telling them, yes, indeed, you are heroes, you are the victim, and what you did was really quite terrific. Uh, until it stills them and their voice uh, to agree with us that whatever war we or anybody engages in uh, was meant at the highest levels of virtue and morality rather than uh, organized robbery, uh, organized uh, 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 destruction 
uh, to gain something uh, that never is really spoken of. Uh, like I believe uh, we went into Iraq for oil, for power, for the idea of, of uh, having an uh, imperial nation. Uh, but it was all, uh, we were the victims of Saddam Hussein because the virtuous uh, attack those who are unvirtuous, who are the devils, who are uh, the demons, who are not human, uh, because uh, the justification is we are the we the good are the victims of those who are really totally evil, bad, and less than human. This all plays out in my concern here and everywhere about the failure of democracy and the importance of democracy uh, as the only political system that allows individuals to live in a way where they can be individuals first and part of the mob, whether it's a religious, political, economic, or social mob, where everybody has to agree that they are virtuous, that they are the inner tribe, that they are the inner goodness, uh, and that those who oppose them are hurting them, and therefore uh, they have a right to demonize and in one way or another hurt them, uh, if not completely destroy them. In a democracy, we accept certain rules that people all have an individual voice, and while we don't like that voice, uh, and we can have a right to ignore the voice, but certainly we have to respect that these differences are, come from individuals like us who see the world differently than us, uh, rather than they're trying to demonize us uh, uh, or destroy us, and therefore we have a right to shut them up, if not completely kill them. And the issue of women being demonized and controlled, as it has been throughout history and in most parts of the world, is anathema uh, to me in terms of its failure to fulfill a democratic promise. And that is worse in many parts of the world than in the United States, but it is still true here. The number of women who are abused by husbands and boyfriends and by society at large is enormous. It is interesting to me that for the first time in history, in our history, uh, not, not social history, uh, a woman could become president of the United States in the uh, 2016 election, namely Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm not sure how much I like her as a politician. Uh, I probably will like her a hell of a lot better than the white male who will be uh, put up as uh, the Republican nominee, uh, the Republican Party, uh, now more a harbinger of... Uh, anti-democratic, uh, we are the best, uh, and we stick together, and uh, we're the victims of the liberals uh, whom we can demonize in way we want uh, and shut them down, um, that they will put up somebody that I will be more afraid of than anything about Hillary Clinton. Uh, but certainly if she becomes president, it will be my belief that she will be vilified and attacked in the same way that Obama has been, 
uh, not my belief that he's the greatest president we've had. Uh, and he certainly has, in my view, a number of faults as a leader, especially. But basically, I think he's a decent human being. Uh, but he's not seen as a human being by so many in the United States because all they see is his color. And he is demonized because of that and therefore can do nothing right. I have a feeling if Hillary becomes president, uh, she too will have to confront this hatred and fear of women assuming power because that is at the heart of the discussion tonight. Uh, when we look at how women are demonized, and I want to talk about um, uh, this on a social level, a religious level, and then eventually on a personal level, on, on the level of interaction of people that I work with as uh, patients, husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, um, uh, uh, adults and their children, um, uh, particularly you know uh, the, the father and the daughter, um, uh, that that particular issue on a on a local level, on on a, on a family level, on an interpersonal level, also needs to be discussed. Uh, for example, just just to, to go out of line for a second, out of context or, or sequence, uh, uh, the the woman who uh, Ray Rice knocked out claims how much she loves him and how much she forgives him. And I would like to discuss during this hour uh, why people who are really frightened and abused uh, and, and fear they might die end up claiming to love the abuser. And this is true in the relationship between so many men and so many women uh, that you hear this all the time. When we look at the stories we live by, Many of the most potent and powerful stories are religious stories. And women do not do well, in most cases, in religious stories, particularly those uh, in the Muslim world, in, in the Jewish Orthodox world, and in the uh, Catholic world, Christian world. Um, in the United States, there is more of a cosmopolitan influence on religion Religion has been um, permeated in many ways, in many groupings, uh, by uh, a kind of a view uh, that uh, democracy and the fact that women are politically and morally and socially the equal of men has permeated and worked its way into many of the religions and, the, and groupings and sects of these uh, religions. Uh, but in many cases, uh, that has not really taken place. And in most of the world, and great much of the world, uh, the religious stories are, uh, as, as we see in our Bibles, um, a man's story. Um, it's interesting to me, and I've said this many times on my show, that uh, in the, in the uh, Jewish religion and the Muslim religion, uh, even more forcefully, there is to be no image ever made of God. Uh, God is referred to in the third person. Uh, God refers to himself uh, as I am that I am. And God is left to your imagination, and God is left to be a force, a moral force, uh, a power, 
the most powerful being in the universe, uh, that which created all of us. But without face, without form, and certainly without sex, without uh, identity as male or female. There are parts of the world, India, for example, who have multiple gods uh, that you have females. Uh, I believe Shiva, which is one of the more powerful gods, is a female, but really not here. And when you listen to people talk about their religion and God, God is male. He, God, is our father. Uh, Nature is our mother. Uh, And God is our father. And God has allowed us to be the virtuous individual that brings nature, mother nature, under our control. And as we are now learning, mother nature uh, ultimately may do us in uh, if she's uh, hurt and damaged enough uh, much more than uh, God the Father is going to protect us uh, from the wrath of Mother Nature because we are destroying our planet and much of it is within the context of God gave us, the Father gave us this world to do as we wish. So the story that we're all raised with is that uh, Adam was the first uh, human being that God brought uh, into the Garden of Eden or onto the planet Earth that he had created. And the story I was told as a youngster in Hebrew school, interestingly, has disappeared from many American versions of the story, is that God didn't create Eve or a female until Adam complained. Exactly what he complained, I was never told as a child. I mean, was he horny? Was he lonely? Was it a combination of things? But then God put Adam to sleep and took one of his ribs, a spare rib, no less, and formed the female Eve out of it. And from the beginning, it didn't work out. Adam was pure, and Adam was moral. And it was Eve who was seduced by the serpent and seduced poor uh, Adam to eat the apple of knowledge of good and evil, which uh, caused the human race Uh, however it functioned at that time, to leave the Garden of Eden. Uh, When God spoke sometime later to Abraham, he said, take your son Isaac and make a burnt offering of him. I will hear the story this week. It's the Jewish New Year. And once again this year, in order to uh, find uh, a place for my body and my mind uh, in the Jewish holidays, Uh, among other Jews, uh, and uh, I will be going to temple uh, on Wednesday night and Thursday morning, and then again uh, the following week on Friday night and Saturday morning. And of course, I will listen with fascination to the stories that are told, that no matter how hard they're told to be uh, uh, gender-neutral, male dominated. It is a story of the male. And within this context, women are taught very carefully that they are not the uh, superiors or the equals of men. In the temple that I will be going to, a reformed temple, uh, the cantor is a woman, and 
apparently a fairly strong woman. Uh, the rabbi is a male. But uh, in the uh, reform, there are now female uh, cantors and female rabbis. Among the orthodox, this is anathema. There can be no female cantors. It is the male's function to touch and read from the Torah or the Book of Laws, not the female. In fact, the female uh, is uh, not even allowed to be in the same uh, back, you know, uh, auditorium room uh, as the male. They sit above the uh, um, uh, on a balcony of sorts where their view is particularly blocked. They can see, but not particularly well. They are second class. And when women are raised, or any individuals are raised, to think of themselves as second class, as being unable to interpret law, then you have an inherent breach of democratic principle. And again, I believe that the only way out for all of us male, female, and citizens of the world, is a democracy where discussions can take place and differences of opinion can take place with respect and with uh, discussion rather than condemnation and uh, violence and, and, and destruction for the individual who differs from those in power as hurting those in power who have the power and thereby the power has the justification to hurt in one way or another, even unto putting someone to death for the heresy, for the apostasy, uh, for the temerity of an individual disagreeing with those in power. So... The story of the human race is written from a male point of view by men. And women are almost always, and always with relatively minor exceptions, uh, do not have that voice. And I've always thought, why? Why would this be so? Why is it that men are so frightened of women that they would... Uh, want to kill them, shun them, shut them up, punish them if they attempted to become an equal in the eyes of religion, in the eyes of the law. And I really don't come up with something that really is satisfying. As I've suggested earlier in another show, uh, the uh, evolutionary view is that men control women and produce these stories because they want to make sure that women do not cuckold them and uh, have uh, children that are not theirs. Therefore, uh, men can have sex, but women have to be virgins, and the woman has to be uh, subordinate to the man to make sure that uh, the offspring uh, that the man uh, induces in them is his, particularly the male offspring. And while I accept that as one of the reasons, I'm not sure that is the only reason. 
It's interesting coming up with another reason, and I won't really satisfy myself or anybody else with an explanation of why men are so fearful and hateful towards women, so many men towards so many women. Um, Freud believed that women have penis envy. That is, they uh, uh, envy men. And the phallus is the symbol of male power, and therefore they resent it and want one for themselves. And of course, many feminists who have dealt with this issue in recent years have suggested that women don't want to be men. They do want an actual penis. They want the symbolic penis. They want the power that goes along with the phallus. The stick, the gun, uh, being the symbols of the penis. Uh, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that the whole notion of the gun in our country becoming such an issue, uh, uh, something that can't be discussed, something that is morally right and revered as everybody's right to have a gun, uh, comes from uh, this idea of the gun as a symbol of power and hopefully, in the eyes of those who have them, a symbol of masculine power. The, the um, notion that women can have this power uh, is just unheard of, because women can't have a penis. And Freud really saw this as a powerful issue, uh, and no resolution to it. Women, he believed, had a place in the kitchen, in the church, uh, with the children, but not in the uh, uh, halls of power, even within psychoanalysis. Um, moreover, uh, one of the more interesting chapters in Freud's theory, Freud's idea, was that women uh, want the phallus and they dream of having the father's child. They have sexual desires to the father and try to seduce the father, and that was the Oedipus complex. Feminists again point out, uh, particularly those who have analyzed the stories, the actual cases that Freud used to demonstrate uh, penis envy uh, and, and the desire to seduce the father, um, that the women who were his patients had actually been seduced and raped by the father. That their neurosis, these women, was not merely a fantasy, but actual events. And that Freud, whether he was conscious of it or not, and I don't think he was conscious of it, uh, could never say that the good middle-class uh, uh, citizens of Vienna in which he worked were buggering their daughters. Because had he done so, there would have been such an outrage against him that he would have been thrown away. So there really is no evidence of a penis envy, but certainly an envy of the power that men have. Now, is there something that women have that men envy and would never admit that they have this particular envy? Part of the story of Genesis is that we were all born, uh, all created by a 
creative force. That God created the the universe and the planets and night and day and all the animals, and he created us in his image. Uh, You could say in God's image, but so much of the time it's his image. Uh, He was the Van Gogh of the universe. And that if we were in fact created in God's image as creative forces, because we would have to be creative powers and desire to be creative if we were in the creator's image, uh, then uh, women are the real source of creativity because they bring life into the world. They create the life. Is it possible, and I have read this, I think, but I think I may have made this up myself, that men have womb envy, that they envy the female's reproductive organs. And hence, there is the need to control of those organs because those organs make the women more powerful, in many ways, more virtuous than men can be. They create life, not alone, but it is their power to bring the infant, the child, into the world, not the male. Um, I have a friend, a dear friend who's gay, and we went once to, um, many years ago, a Museum of uh, Art in New York had a... um, retrospective of the gowns of uh, the the, uh, individual uh, designer, Gianni. Johnny, I forget, you know, my mind has gone blank suddenly. Maybe it'll come to me later. But anyway, uh, there was a retrospective of his beautiful gowns. And I had said to him, why is it that so many, if not all, of the real creative people in uh, design so many in art, so many in music are gay. Uh, And he said, because we don't hate women. Most men create hate women, and they hate the creativity that women represent. And as a result, we can't create unless we give up that masculine posture, the notion that we have to be the one in power, and that women have to be then brought subservient to men. And at the time, uh, <clears throat> I didn't think much of it. I thought he was overstating the case. But when I look for the reasons why in so much of the world, so much of history, that men control women and control them uh, with whatever brutal means they find necessary to control them, that they feel so threatened by women, which is, and fear is the source of so much hatred, uh, and the source of so much envy, and the source of so much uh, abuse of power. I don't know, this is theoretical, but as I say it and I think about it, I'm not sure how far off I might be in terms of this hypothesis holding a certain amount of water. There's one more issue I want to discuss, and that relates to the notion of uh, love and the idea that so many women express 
Ray Rice's fiance was one, of how much they love the men who have abused them. Uh, some years ago, and it's more years than I want to think about, a group of uh, passengers were held hostage by some Arab terrorists uh, in uh, Stockholm, Sweden, on a plane. It played itself out, and ultimately most of the passengers survived, and uh, the terrorists were killed. Um, <clears throat> it was one of the early individual incidents that pointed its direction to the horror that's now happening in so much of our lives uh, in the world now. But when these individuals were um, interviewed, the people on the plane who were held hostage, they expressed a kind of love for their captors. Individuals who held guns on them and ended up killing, um, if I remember it correctly, three or four American servicemen and throwing them unceremoniously off the airplane onto the tarmac. Um, this is an interesting idea of love. Apparently, one of the motives for claiming you love someone is uh, fear, real fear. And when women who are abused claim to love the men who abuse them, uh, it's like the Stockholm, what became known as the Stockholm Syndrome. That is, if I love him, if I love what he represents, and I do not disobey, if I am a good little girl, and uh, make, and make sure that uh, I do nothing uh, to uh, uh, arouse his ire, uh, then I will be uh, loved in return. And I believe that so much of the so-called love, because I don't believe that is really love, it is need and a kind of pretend love, a psychologically induced sense of love uh, that allows the individual to accept the abuse and say things like I used to hear from students who were abused and patients who were abused. Uh, I got him upset. I got what I deserved. Often, what the abuser uh, says to the individual, you deserve this, you brought this on yourself. Uh, this relates to the issue I wanted to add on to this about discipline, that there's a discipline in the mind of the abuser, in this case a male to a female, or occasionally a female to a male, or a parent to a child, uh, or somebody who's disciplining children, you brought this on yourself because I define what is moral, because I am the moral force. You are the demon. You are the less than human. You have no basis to claim a moral equality with me. That happens in democracy, which is, again, why I come back to that idea of how critically important I think life is to be in, lived in a democracy. But the idea that you deserve this, and the expression I used to hear from patients, 
uh, uh, from people who hit children, who used force on children, was um, you deserve a good beating. And I often thought and talked about with my students, what the hell is a good beating? How can a beating be good? For whom is it good? And it's defined as a moral uh, uh, power, an issue that's done for your good so that you will become a moral individual like me. That is, an individual who uses force on people weaker physically or psychologically than him or herself, in this case, in this discussion, of himself. And ultimately, when you ask, what does discipline, physical discipline, such as this football player, uh, was uh, 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 lived through and now is having his child live through, being bloodied by a stick, by a whip, in effect, a whip. Um, it is uh, that this is what makes you moral. And when you add the crowning uh, 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 surround that God wishes it this way, that God determines, particularly the male God, then you have a closed circle that very few people know how to argue against. Have I talked about what I wanted to talk about? You know, I really have. Uh, I've gone on now uh, more than a half an hour, so I'm going to end the broadcast unless there's somebody there who would like to talk to me. Contact me at 646-716-7756 or send an email to LarrySydock at gmail.com or leave a message for me uh, on this uh, uh, blog talk radio uh, stories we live by site. So I'm going to hold on for a couple of seconds. I have a really nice Weight Watchers ice cream sandwich waiting for me. I shouldn't have it because I'm trying to lose a pound that I put on. Uh, but I have no self-control about ice cream tonight. And uh, I hope the show does well. And if you hear it and you like it, uh, tell others about it. And I think I'm about 40 minutes, and I think that's more than enough. Nobody should be subjected to uh, more than 40 minutes of my babble. No matter how good I think it is. Okay, ending the show. <laughs>